For those of you that don't know, Urban Impact Ministries, I am the executive director there. We're right in the shadow of the Superdome. So we're in Central City, New Orleans, what we call a power lock neighborhood, because most people, when they get in our neighborhood, hit the power lock button in their car, and then they leave. A neighborhood where 80% of the houses are still, are still torn down or vacant since Katrina. A neighborhood where in a city where 52% of the African-American males, 16 and above, are unemployed. 52%. So is that a Republican issue? Is that a Democratic issue? No, that's a church issue. And how we get involved, oh, we can, we're going to say God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. That means that plan and purpose has got to move into the hard neighborhoods. A neighborhood where kids that come to our, to our programs, we, have not, we don't have a child that doesn't come to one of our programs that doesn't know someone that hasn't been murdered. And so the, the post-traumatic stress that kids in our neighborhood go through is amazing. But that's where God enters in. That's where Christ enters in. That's where, that's where the gospel enters into people's lives. So we want to create a neighborhood where kids can ride their bikes to schools of excellence. For us, that's been anything from starting our own high school after Katrina to continuing our education enrichment, our tutoring uh, since then. We want, we want to go into schools and say, give us the kids that are having the worst trouble. Kids that are having the worst trouble because we want to help them. Because if you can't read, that's not a Republican issue. That's not a Democratic issue. That's a church issue. Can I get an amen? You're going to say amen. We're having church today, right? Okay. Go back to normal next week. But I bring that up because of this. The United States government uses a matrix to determine how many prison beds it needs. A part of that matrix is third grade illiteracy rate. So the government looks at kids that can't read and in in kids in economic distress, kids in, uh, in families in, in unemployment distress, single parents. There's this matrix that they use, but one of those is if they can't read in third grade, and so then they'll determine how many prison beds they need 15 years later. Well, the church needs to enter into that. The church needs to be the one. And I want to encourage you to be involved, because that's not just an inner city problem. That's happening all over. That ha that's happening in Minnesota. And how the church gets involved in that. We want kids to ride their bikes to a safe place to gather. That safe place where kids that are going through all that stuff can come and be a kid. This summer, we had 150 kids registered for day camp. Average 60 to 70 a day. We hired, uh, we hired nine folks from the neighborhood. The joy and frustration of uh, six teenagers learning how to work. And, and because, you know, in the hood, the uh, currency is respect. If you don't get respected, you will do anything to get respect. But you think about that. Isn't that kind of work in our lives? And so for us, it's teaching kids, well, if you're 20 minutes late for work and you're taught to, that's not disrespect, that's discipline. So how do you understand the difference between discipline and disrespect? We can do it disrespectfully, but how do we interact and teach that some of the skills that some of us take for granted that we want to see happen? So we had those kids, 70 of them. The, my job this summer, I got to drive the van, and it was great because because I got to meet parents and stuff. And so one of the stops I had, I made, we, we were a little late. The parent called, hung up on our, uh, on our director, and the director talked to me and said, well, I'll go talk to her. So I pull up, I pull up in a van, and almost I hear, hey, coach, because that's what folks used to call me. And, I, and, and you remember me? And I'm like, mm, no, I'm Toot. I remember Toot. 
Toot hung out with Nani. He hung out with Carrie, hung out with Redhead. And all at once, her kids are coming to day camp. And so then I get to talk to Toot and say, I just said, come on, babe, why are you busting our chops? We'll get here when we can get here. Just be patient. He says, oh, I'm sorry, coach. And we took 40 kids to camp this summer. And I get to see Zarek bring his son. He's, a, he's, in the, he's in the Air Force Station in Biloxi, about an hour away from us. But he wants his son to experience what he did growing up in the neighborhood. So that's the joy. And one of the things I encourage you about life and ministry is sometimes it's just being there. And being there for a long time that makes a difference. So that safe place to gather is our, our junior high group, our high school group. We open up our, our court for kids to come and play and hang out. We want kids to ride their, their bikes to a, a church that cares. Castle Rock Community Church stepped down about 18 months ago, so I'm not pastoring that now. So please pray as the church still is looking to find a pastor and to do that. But excited about how the elders have stepped up and have led. And finally, we want kids to ride their bikes to a transformed household. We used to say to a house their family owned. But you know, it's a lot easier to build a house than it is to transform a household. And what we want to do is see kids be able to see their families changed. Because one of the struggles in the hood, y'all, is it, it becomes a throwaway place. But God doesn't do that. Amen? God doesn't do that. God loves the down and out. God, God is there. And so I want to thank you for your partnership, and I'll be in the lobby if you want to talk a little bit more about that. But what's important today is what God's Word said. So you can turn to Luke chapter 10. Turn to Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan. And I'm going to ask you to do me a favor today. Do not let the familiar become unfamiliar. Don't let a passage that you've known, for some of you that you've seen on flannel graph, all right? Don't let a passage that you've known forever, don't say, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I, let God open up his word and show you who he is and what, he, and what he's about through this passage. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what, what must I do to have eternal life? Now, I like that because that means God answers stupid questions. Anybody else have a stupid question every now and then? God answers, what must I do? You know what? That's sort of like a guy turning to his wife and saying, baby, how much do I got to say I love you so I can go fishing this afternoon? What must I, and, 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 and he says, what is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? Now, in the Greek, how do you read it literally means, can you read? Can you read it, stupid? Do you understand it? Can you read? So I love that about it. We make Jesus this soft kind of guy, but man, he's got a sense of humor. He's kind of pushing it in on him. And he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what we say with that means is this, love God with all you got. Love God with all you what? Got. Help me with love God with all you what? Got. You're not helping me. Love God with all you what? Got. Love love with all you got. All your mind, soul, and strength. When Jesus came as a man and he rolled upon that cross and he died and the stone was rolled away, he did that that we would be reconciled vertically to God. So we're saying, love God with all you got. Now he's saying, love people till you drop. Love people till you what? Drop. Help me. Love people till you what? Drop. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you think of the L, it's the intersection. Love God with all you got. Love people till you drop. So Jesus died for us to be in right relationship with God and one another. 
And it's the one another that we kind of mess up. It's the one another that gets hard. We love God with all we got, love people till we drop. We live at the intersection, and intersections are messy. My mom's 89, and in our little town in Wisconsin, they put roundabouts in. She is freaking out. <laughs> when do I go in? When do I get out? Are they stopping? And, and, you know, I'm like, Mom, can I please drive? <laughs> intersections are messy. It's messy there. But God's saying, love me with all you got and love people till you drop and that's where we live. Because if we just love God with all we got, we're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. If we just love people and we're not pointing them to God, we're only giving them 10% of what they need, if even that. So God's saying, live life at the intersections where it's messy. Love God with all you got. Love people till you drop. And then he answers, you have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and, I, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. And I love this. So, again, he's like digging. He's like, I, I kind of got this down. He's a religious guy. He's a church guy. And Jesus says, and do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked, who is my neighbor? But the real question is, isn't who's your neighbor? The question is, are you a good neighbor? That's the real question. It's not, um, am I neighborly? Do I have a neighbor? It's, am I neighborly? Am I loving? So Jesus said, all right, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to help you out. A man was going down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, everybody knows you don't go down that road. That's the road you avoid. Why? Because there's robbers. They're hiding behind the rocks. You don't go down the road to Jerusalem to Jericho. And if you go that way and you get jumped, it's your fault. Because you know you shouldn't go that way. So this man's going down this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jesus is talking to church folk now. He's talking to the people that are part of the church, that are supposed to be a part of the family, right? And he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So there he is, half dead, laying down. He's got only half a good eye left. And that half a good eye, he kind of squeezes it open, and almost the pastor is coming down the road. And so he goes, man, I got this down. I got this. It's going to be okay. So then the priest comes, and here's what it says. A priest had to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by the other side. Passed by the other what? Oh, you're not helping me. Passed by the other what? Side. Of the religious things to do, of the God-honoring things to do, he didn't do it because he went to the other side. He purposely went the other way. He had appointments to keep. And on the religious things that make God happy, he failed. He had church business to attend to. And maybe it's that guy's fault. He shouldn't have been going down that road. Maybe that's her fault. She shouldn't have lived that way. Maybe that's his fault. If he quit drinking, life wouldn't be like that. I'm glad God didn't do that with me. Anybody else? Man, I could play that thing because I was playing and doing wrong stuff for a long time. But God picked me up, turned me around, put my feet on solid ground. God didn't go to the other side. But the priest went to the other side. That's who he was. That's what he did. What if I'm helping a bad guy? 
What if I give him money and he uses it on drugs? What if I help him and he doesn't use it right? I'm glad God doesn't work that way because there's times God helps me and I don't use it right. I want to get an amen there, huh? But isn't that how we are? Isn't that who God is? God doesn't go to the other side. Again, what if I'm helping that black bad guy? He went out of his way to avoid doing the right thing. Syrian refugees, Black Lives Matter, shootings in Chicago, illegal immigrants. Isn't it like God to put people where you can't help but see them? Isn't it like God putting people in your work, in your school, puts them in your path? But you know what, y'all? Hate is easy. Love takes courage. Hate is what? Love takes. Hate is what? Love takes, but sometimes I still don't get it. I need some help. So now, as the priest goes, so too a Levite, another religious guy, an elder at the church, a Sunday school teacher, a camp director. He kind of walks by, and he comes. And so here he is. This Levite comes walking by. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by the other side. Passed by the other what? Passed by the other what? Again. He left and he saw it. Now, as a Levite, touch, one of the rules for a Levite is they can't touch dead people. I kind of think that's a good rule. Anybody else? But when he can't touch a dead person, it means if he touches them for seven days, he can't do his job. He can't do his religious thing. And so maybe, just maybe, I think he went that way because he's like, I got my stuff to do. I got my stuff to do, and, 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 and I'm so busy. Anybody else busy here? You're running here, you're running there. Kids are in karate, they're in, they're in cooking, they're in gymnastics, they're in, Right? You're running here and there and everywhere. Maybe we're just so busy doing so many things that it's really easy for us to turn into Levites and go the other way. Walk right past people who are hurting all around us. We need to be proactive in connecting with our neighbors, proactive in being with people, not just reactive. Because it's easy to be reactive. Oh, you need some help. You see somebody, you might do that. And again, I'm going to encourage you to be involved in Hurricane Harvey. We still have teams coming to New Orleans 13 years later because, like I said, 80% of the houses in our neighborhood are torn down or vacant still today. And I'm not even talking about the lower ninth ward. Dave said it's going to take five years. It's going to take 15, 20 years at least. And so that flood that happened with Hurricane Harvey blew into all those communities, into Katy, Texas. And as it blew in there, we see that and we can be reactive to that, Right? But what about the flood of depression that goes into your neighbor's house? What about the flood of despair, of financial anguish? What about the flood of, man, I just keeping my head above water trying to keep this family together? It's kind of hard to see those floods. But God's saying, just don't be reactive to the disaster. Be proactive with your neighbors and who they are. We need to be intentional in understanding what God desires. In 1973, Princeton had a study. So these were seminary folks. These were church folks, right? 
1973, they, they took and they split a group in half of, of seminary uh, students. Half of them were doing a, a, a speech on, uh, a talk on, on just seminary jobs and stuff, just regular kind of stuff. Other half of the group did a talk on the Good Samaritan. And so then the control of that group was this. They, just, they, said, they said, all right, they put them in one building and they were going to walk to another building and they said, well, you got five minutes before your speech and some people you got a half hour. And in between the two buildings, they put a guy that was moaning and groaning and beat up. And so the test was, what are you going to do when you walk from one building to the other? And the surprising thing was this, y'all. 10% of the people in a hurry stopped. That means 90% of the people in a hurry didn't. 63% of the people in a hurry, not in a hurry, stopped. Overall, only 40% of the people stopped to help. And these are folks that are studying to be men and women of God. They didn't stop. And again, it was all around the hurry. And it didn't matter because even if they had to do the speech on the Good Samaritan, they still didn't stop. And I read that and I go, wow, look at them. But I think of my life, how often God puts people in my life and stuff there and how much I am in such a hurry doing stuff that I miss the big picture. Anybody else? I'm in such a big hurry about stuff and God's putting hurting people all around me. But you know what, y'all? Hate is, you're not helping me. Hate is, love takes Hate is, love takes, but then I know, so God sends the Samaritan. Now remember, a Samaritan is what? It's a half-breed. A Samaritan is a nobody. A Samaritan is the person that everyone that was hearing this story hated. Don't lose it. Don't lose the translation in this. Don't lose the cultural thing that Jesus is throwing at us right now. So this half-breed nobody that the very teacher of the law that talked to hates, he said, but a Samaritan walks by. And as a Samaritan walks by, as he traveled, he came where the man was. He saw him and took pity on him. In the Greek, it's splashnia, which means what? That feeling in the deep part of your gut where you can't do anything. you got to help. It's just churning and burning in you. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you religious people. Listen, you church people. Even a pagan is doing a better job than you. This is like seeing this and seeing that, that the hatred is so thick between Samaritan and Jewish folks. It's like Louisiana in the 50s and an African-American helping a Ku Klux Klan man. It is, like, it is like a Black Lives Matter protester helping a white supremacist. It's like a Catholic helping a Protestant in Northern Ireland years ago. It's like a Palestinian Christian helping a Jewish man today. Don't lose what Jesus is teaching us. Jesus is teaching us it's not a matter of skin. It's not a matter of geography. It's not a matter of culture. It's a matter of your hearts. And what are you going to do about it? So the Samaritan sees it. He gets off his donkey. He bandages his wounds. He didn't have a first aid kit on his donkey. So what did he have to do? He had to reach in his bag. He had to tear up his own clothes. He had to grab out, he had to grab out his wine. He had to get out his oil. And there he was. And so he bandaged up his wounds. He poured oil on wine on it. Then he put his man on his donkey. It took him to the end and took care of him. The next day. 
I love that phrase. The next day, he spent the night with him. The next day, he pulled out his American Express card and says, I'm coming back later. Whatever he needs, take care of. And if this ain't enough, I'll come back with more. I love that. He circled back. He circled back. I am so thankful that God circled back on me. Anybody else? I'm so glad God put people in my life that circled back on me when I was an idiot, when I was lost, when I was broken, when I was stupid. God says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And that's what this man did. He came back, bandaged his wounds, helped him. And then Jesus says, which of these three were a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy. Notice he couldn't say Samaritan. Oh, that's crazy. He couldn't even say Samaritan. The hatred was that thick. But Jesus is like, you think you got it going on? I'm going to show you someone that you hate that does it better than you. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. We got to learn and understand that hate is love takes. Hate is love takes. Three simple things and I'm done. You remember when they used to say, if you catch on fire, you got to stop, drop, and roll. Remember that? You catch on fire. Well, one, I, I think God's wanting us to catch on fire for him, amen? But when it comes to people, we got to stop, drop, and roll. Number one, we got to stop. We got to stop and see the hurting people all around us. We got to stop, and when, when the guy's on the corner that says, we'll work for food, we got to understand that God wants us to have compassion on him and love him. And maybe it means you don't give him or her food, but it means you take him to McDonald's and give him a meal. We got to stop and see the hurting people all around us. We got to stop living this American dream, this crazy merry-go-round that we're on long enough to be engaged in our coworkers and our neighbors and our fellow students' lives. We got to stop pretending we don't see people in need. They're all around us. And affluence can hide some of that, but depression Beaten down. Hopelessness is the same here as it is in the hood as it is in Africa. It shows itself differently. we got to stop and see. Stop pretending it's their fault. Lift your eyes onto the field. Look, they're white unto harvest. Stop talking about how we're going to get around to it and get to it. Stop making excuses. Stop worrying about doing it the right way and just do it. we got to get out of groupthink. Group think, where we allow the group to determine how we think. Especially, I'm, I'm, politically, we got to get out of group think. We got to get to gospel think. We can't allow the idea that we're going to be in this group and not allow the gospel to change how we see people, how we see culture, how we see race, how we see immigration. The gospel informs us, and we got to stop and let the gospel teach us how God views people. I'm going to say amen to myself. Stop and see the need all around you. Why? Because hate is love takes. Hate is love takes. Now we got to stop. We got to drop. 
we got to drop off our donkey. I wish I had the King James Version right now. You'll get it in a second, all right? I guess I won't be back preaching here for a couple years again. Actually, a guy in the foyer told me it really says beast, so we're all cool, all right? All right? But we got to drop off our donkey. We got to get off our high horse, y'all. We got to drop. We got to drop on our knees. We got to start praying for folk, not judging folk. We we got to we got to drop in, into neighborhoods. We got to drop into places. If you're a disciple of Christ, one of God's children through faith, we got to get off our high horse and start serving people. That's what it's about. And when you go build a cabin at Shamanaw, it's about creating a space and serving a space where the gospel can be presented to someone that maybe never heard it ever before. We got to stop. See that there's hurting people all around us. We got to drop, drop off our donkey, drop on our knees and start praying. My other job in life is I'm the chaplain at Starbucks. Really, I am. It's a great job. Spend a lot of money on coffee, right? But as a chaplain at Starbucks, I got invited to be with a group of folks, an eclectic group of people that sit and have coffee. So it's a musician, agnostic lawyer, the lizard lady who literally she takes care of the lizards at the zoo. There's uh, uh, another lawyer. There's a, there's a, a funeral home director that dresses like a pimp. He wears purple shirts, uh, cobra cuff links, wide pinstripe. He's a trip, man. He is a huge trip. So I'm hanging with him. There's, uh, there's Dexter, the bus driver. There's uh, uh, all these folks. And there's about 10, 12... And, and I just got invited to have coffee. And it's in an affluent part of New Orleans. It's kind of where I go to get out of the hood. They're just nothing like me. And I look forward to going there every day now. The conversations, the love that I have from them, it's amazing. And about a couple years ago when, uh, when the Supreme Court determined that uh, d determined about same-sex marriage, I went in the next day, and Dexter, the bus driver, I'm sitting there, Dexter, the bus driver, there's 10 folks sitting around. He goes, so Rev, you're going to marry those gays? And I'm like, crap, I just want to have coffee. <laughs> but I'm like, I, I got to have a conversation. So then it was just a, it was an opportunity to say, you know what, here's what I believe. That we're made in the Imago Dei, we're made in God's image. That God's created us male and female. And that the family within that male and female relationship through marriage is the underpinning of what goes on in our society. So we had a long conversation about it. And as, as we're going, so this went on about 20 minutes. So finally I looked at him and I said, I said, hey, it's not like you guys don't have a worldview dictated by your morals. And in unison... I'm serious. In unison, they said, we don't have morals, we have ethics. And I looked at him and said, shut up. Because I'd known him long, and I'm like, shut up. I said, don't play semantics with me. You've got something that determines how you view life. We got done, and Shorty, 
Edwin Shorty, who's about 6'3", a big African-American lawyer, puts his arm around me and says, it's all right, Rev, we still love you. That was one of the best days of my life. Because sometimes we're afraid to have hard conversations. Sometimes we're afraid to roll into people's lives that don't look like us, right? And you know who has given us thousands of dollars for our summer program this year? It's the people I have coffee with. We got to stop, see the need. We got to drop, drop off our donkey. We got to drop to our knees, but finally we got to roll. We got to roll. We got to roll into people's lives. We got to roll out our time. We got to roll out our cash. We got to give oil. We got to give wine. We got to give bandages. We got to tear up some of our clothes. We got to give two weeks of our wages. But then we got to circle back. We got to come back with people. It's not a drive-by where I say, hey, Jesus loves you, and then we blow out of their life. It's Jesus loves you, and I want to be a part of your life. That's what God is calling us to do, that we got to roll into people's lives. we got to roll across the street. we got to roll around the corner. we got to roll into schools. we got to roll into the workplace. we got to roll into America. we got to roll into the hard places, the places we don't want to go to. we got to roll into North Minneapolis. we got to roll into the reservation. we got to roll into those places. Why? Because God is calling us to stop, see the need, drop off our donkey, and roll into people's lives. And it's not rocket science, y'all. It is not rock. Today, I'm at Caribou, so I'm a coffee junkie, right? I'm at Caribou before I came here. And the lady in front of me gets coffee, and she blows and doesn't pay for it. And this poor little girl that, that is running the cash register, I think it must have been her second day there, right? And she's, she's almost crying. She's looking up because she's already asked the, the, the manager eight million times how to do something, right? And if I just looked at her and said, I'll pay for it. And it didn't cost very much. But you should have seen her face. You should have seen her face. Hate is, love takes. Hate is, love takes. Good theology leads to good works. Theology isn't just a part of our head, because the longest distance in the world is from our head to our heart. Good theology always brings good works. Don't feel guilty about the blessings you have. Share them. If you make money, share money. If you got time, share time. If you don't got time, find some time to roll into people's lives. The worst sin we can commit towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent towards them. George Bernard Shaw said that. The Roman, the Roman Emperor Hadrian said this, first century Christians, see how they love one another. They never fail to help widows. They save orphans from those who would hurt them. If they have something, they give freely to those who have nothing. If they see a stranger, they take him home as though he were a brother. I love that quote. I love that. Look at that. See how they love one another. How they what? Love. We got to stop fussing about right stuff and start living the right love. 
We got to love one another. They help widows. They, they save orphans. Young women that are sex trafficked. We need to be at the forefront of that, amen? We need to be at the forefront of that. The mass incarceration that happens in America, we need to be at the forefront of that. They see a stranger, they take him in as a brother. We got to stop, we got to drop, we got to roll. And like I said, it's not rocket science. It's not. At our church, in our ministry, there's a, a young single mom named Lakeithia. Three kids struggling through life. A throwaway family. Let's be honest. Well, the government will take care of them, or the government can't take care of them, or who's going to take care of them? God. So Lakeithia starts coming. Her oldest son, Carnell, has got a, had a speech impediment and didn't talk for many years. So then the conversation was simple. He, he needs to have speech therapy. Talk to the school. Can we get you a ride? What, what has to happen? So all at once, just those little things. He starts hanging out at, at day camp. And then his sister does. And Lakeithia starts hanging out at stuff. And then all at once, um, so that was five. So you know, I want to fast forward about five years. And so he's hanging out at our, at our education program. And we're trying to figure out how to make it work. Because we got kids that are going to... Going to uh, uh, engineering camp in Colorado, and we got other kids that can't read. So our, our education programs is this huge, huge continuum. And so Carnell's there. Josiah, our oldest, runs the program. And, and Carnell comes up to me, and he says, I get you out. I get you out. And I'm like, I look at Josiah. He said, he's going to get you out. He wants to play four square. I'm like, let's go, little man. All right. So we play Foursquare, and the guy gets me out. And being the good Christian man I am, I got him out. And now I watch him, and it's gotten to the point where he's talking so much smack on the basketball court. And I'm like, dude, you got to chill out. But it wasn't rocket science. It was rolling into his life, rolling into Lakeithia's life. So then Erica is growing and going. Alvin is growing and going. And you know who's the only usher that's there every Sunday? It's Lakeithia. You know who's the usher that's there every Sunday, even when we forget to pick her up and it rains and she walks blocks with her three kids? It's Lakeithia. She's one of my heroes. But it wasn't rocket science. Stop. See the need, drop off your donkey, drop on your knees and pray, and start rolling into people's lives. That's all it is, y'all. A missionary isn't me and my wife, it's you. Every day when you look in the mirror, God is calling you 
to your neighborhood, to your school, to your coworkers. And he's reminding us that hate is love takes. Hate is love takes. Love takes.